Hi, my name's Alistair Caithness, and you're listening to Boom, It's on the Blockchain, where we discuss the energy industry, blockchain, cryptocurrency, tokenization, and anything else that's relevant to talk about in today's changing world. Enjoy. Hi, so welcome back to Boom, It's on the Blockchain. Um, my name is uh, Alistair Caithness, and uh, for this issue, we're going to speak about um, the transition in energy. So once again, I've got uh, Dangerous Dave Rogers and the Shet on board. You want to say hello, guys? Hey, glad to be here. It's good to be here. What's the weather like in Wyoming today, Shet? Uh, windy and cold. Windy and cold. Well, what's, the, what's the weather like in San Diego with you today, Dave? Oh, it's beautiful. Sorry, Shep. <laughs> it's just yeah we another another banner day cooler evenings but nothing nothing compared to what you've got over the over your end yeah perfect so so let's so the reason we're speaking about transition and energy obviously uh, we have this uh, special feature in the company in the emily riddle magazine uh, dave rogers was featured on it so do you want to give us a bit of a rundown about that dave oh sure it's just yeah my uh my old alma mater and uh, saw a little bit about what the company was doing uh, out on LinkedIn and gave me a ring um, and asked me to sit for, for a few moments and talk a little bit about what, what we're doing here at the company. So um, yeah, it was great. It gave, it gave me a chance to talk to them a little bit about, you know, Zion, about the, the tokenization of energy assets um, and to talk about, you know, how we're thinking this is going to level the playing field for projects um, you know, for uh, renewable energy projects and have them sit right alongside, uh, you know, investment in traditional energy. And so it was good. It was good. So I, I, like I said, we had a, had a bit of an article right up there. So some, some good press for the company. Um, we went out uh, on site to a local, uh, you know, wind farm for some, some color for, you know, fo- you know, photography to include with the article. And, and it was great. Um, and it lined right up and allowed us to kind of get the message out there a little bit. Yeah. So if you think about uh, renewable energy in the States right now, then Dave, do you want to give us a bit of background on that? There's a lot of discussion and, and especially in political you know, circles, it's a bit of a political football in terms of, you know, whether to go green or, or whether to continue to put money into, you know, into infrastructure for traditional energy. And, you know, the Keystone Pipeline, for example, was in the news recently. Um, that you know the green new deal and you know all of all of these things that are being talked about um, but ultimately it's not going to be a political um, solution or, or a political decision that brings it about it's going to be market forces uh, you know you can go back and you can look at at the you know the technological advances for example in just you know in solar panel design and, and creation and that price has been dropping and dropping and dropping for years and so we're going to get to the inflection point where as you say you know when you get to a point where you're producing the exact same amount of energy for under you know equivalent of nine dollars a barrel of, of oil you know the market's just going to go in that direction and everything will will be you know pushing and the renewable um, momentum will, will really take off but um, but right now we're setting the stage and there's some infrastructure starting to be put in place um, a lot of you know, companies are pursuing electric vehicles, as we talked about. Uh, there's, you know, even even like Shell Oil is is investing in a fleet of electric vehicles. I mean, they're, you know, so 
the handwriting's on the wall, I think. And, and a lot of these big players know that this is the direction that we're going. And they're, they're starting to put some of their investment spend into, into you know, researching that and seeing how they're going to position themselves in the years to come. Yeah, and I also think for you know the listeners out there as well, if you think that since 2014, essentially the cost of creating uh, solar panels is dropped by more than 50%, you know, so that's just in the last six years. So it shows the developments in that particular area. And you think of someone like Elon Musk driving the, the, the you know the entire solar industry into a certain sense. You know, and you know the, the whole Earth's powered by the sun. So you know, it's not that great a concept to think if we can power this massive, you know, <clears throat> molten rock that spins around the sun uh, using sunshine and sun uh, rays. So you know, what are you think? Ah, uh, there's yeah. I mean, I've even read articles that are. I mean, this is all bleeding edge stuff. Obviously, there's nothing on the market yet, but. You know, they're, you know, they were researching the photosynthesis, right? The plants on earth take the sunlight, they use that and they convert it to energy. And so they're actually, were researching how they could make a photosynthetic paint, essentially. Um, so uh, in other words, you would be able to paint your, your car or your house, and it, it essentially would be, a, you know, solar enabled. And you'd be able to tie into that, your, the, the paint itself would absorb um, the sunlight and you could you could tap into that and, and use that as an energy source so I again I don't know the nuts and bolts of it I was just reading some articles but it's just it's amazing some of the different directions that, that people are looking at and how to capture that radiated energy and and uh, and and convert it into in a useful way that we can use yeah they, they actually say in a single hour the amount of power from the sun that strikes the earth is more than the entire world consumes in an entire year Right. You know, that just right. puts in perspective for people out there. So it's like, it's just that ability to capture it going It's forward. an engineering. Yep. It's an engineering yeah. and a science problem. That's it. We just got to crack it. Yep. Exactly. So, so yeah. So, but you've got some good ideas in terms of um, the future of transport using hydrogen, Shep. Uh, yes, I do. Why is the name water car misleading for whom the person who was Stanley Myers who actually founded it to help with environmental factors? So, so for our listeners out there, just explain a bit of the technology shit. Well, the water, water-powered car actually comes from burning of hydrogen, which is derived through electrolysis, electrolysis which is splitting the atoms of water into two separate hydrogen uh, atoms with one single oxygen atom. The gas is formed for the fuel for the internal combustion engine, which has been of interest to the automotive industry for a cleaner uh, technology for the whole industry worldwide. And the relevance that they are coming out that they've already started utilizing, Toyota started utilizing hydrogen fuel cells and so forth for the electric powered vehicles. Right. They're extremely expensive. The water car that you were describing was a was a, there was a big fervor and and there was a lot of talk about it when it first came out because, you know the idea of you know being able to drive your car across the country on you know 20 gallons of water or something uh, was you know obviously pretty attractive but but yeah yeah it, it like you said the technology is is very expensive and also from an energy perspective it's very expensive it wound up taking more energy to to perform that that chemical reaction to split split out the atoms that, that you would get out of it in terms of energy that you could use for power. But the, yeah, the, the hydrogen cells that are out there today, um, 
they do perform better than the electric cells. You know, the Tesla, they, you know, they, they, they actually, I mean, the range of those cars is, is further than, than Tesla can offer today. Um, they're, they're easier to fill up, right? Uh, the Tesla electric vehicles take some time for you to recharge those, those electric cells, but the hydrogen cells, you know, you're not actually doing the chemical reaction in the car. You're pumping hydrogen into the car much as you would your, your gasoline today. But, uh, and then essentially it's a, then an electric vehicle just running uh, through the hydrogen cell. But the big problem is, uh, is like you said, it's expensive. Uh, those, those hydrogen fuel cells are very expensive. Um, it's, um, I mean, the hydrogen itself, it's the equivalent of about, you know, $5 a gallon, you know, or $6 a gallon if you're, you're equated with traditional gasoline. Um, and then the other thing is the infrastructure is just not there. I mean, in California, you can find, um, you know, around LA and, and up in the Bay Area, there are, there are hydrogen stations that you could get your car filled up, but but there's nothing else anywhere really. Um, New England, it's going to be probably the next place where it'll you'll start to see some some build out of that infrastructure, but it's going to take a, a couple of decades. Um, and then you know, and, and eventually the technology and the price as you know as things mature, you know, to tend to drop. And then I think Tesla will have a a bit of a a competitor on their hands in terms of, of fuel cells, because it is definitely, uh, and like I said, in terms of range and in terms of ease of use, um, you know, a much better way to go if they can just get, get the price down and get the uh, infrastructure support in place. But all very interesting stuff. What turned you on, Shep, into the, um, to the water car story and to, and to hydrogen? Are you involved in any of that back where you're from, or do you see some of that coming up? Well, due to the fact when I was a when I was a kid, I used to mess with uh, Michael rotary engines that they had years ago and stuff like that. And I actually built uh, electrolysis data uh, panel and everything else with different uh, elements and everything else. Very cool. And in miniaturized form, fueled a Wankel rotary engine on hydrogen when I was a kid. Wow! Very cool. It was more of a science project than it was anything relevant, you know, to use in the perception of just valid everyday life for a cleaner environment. Well, the, the one thing about, you know, you brought up Stanley Meyer and the water car and his, his designs, I guess his designs, enough time has passed. I was looking up a little bit about it before the call. Um, all of his, his uh, patents have expired. So his inventions, you know, are now out in the public domain available for anyone to use. I don't think any, you know, like I said, because of the fact that it's, it takes more energy to get, get a reaction to take place and then, then you get out of it for power. It's probably not, you know, feasible. I don't, you know, it's, I don't think any, and you know, auto manufacturers have picked up those designs, for example, but, but they're out there um, and for anybody to take a look at. And as you said, if you want to, you know, fool around and, and do an experiment yourself or build something yourself. Yeah, and, and that sort of brings us into like our project, what we're doing with energy tokens. So, you know, if you start, you know, we speak about this in the last episode, we'll continue to speak about it going forward. But really for the listeners out there, and they're trying to understand what we're doing. So if you think in terms of tokenizing a wind farm or tokenizing a solar farm, you know, right now, as we go to this transition from essentially fossil fuels 
into renewable energy. There's more and more investment going into renewable energy. You know, and going forward, it is the energy source of the future. It's just how long will this transition time take to pass? You know, and anyway, you know, people are saying it's 15 years for certain government targets to be carbon neutral, you know, up to 50 years uh, to 100 years of some countries that are seeing non-Western countries that are just starting to go through their industrial revolution and their energy usage. We're the cog in the middle. So what we're doing is we're when we tokenize these wind farms or tokenize the solar farm, what we're doing is we're taking the capital structure of the project. We're splitting it into this under tokenization into token format. So each of these will be split by either coins or tokens, depending on what the brand name is, but they're security tokens. So anyone out there, these aren't cryptocurrencies, they're asset-backed security tokens. They'll be going through an SEC transfer agent, an SEC broker, they'll be selling these. If you lose your wallet, you will not lose your investment. And at any one time, we all know exactly who owns these tokens or coins. So this is one of the big differences of, from cryptocurrency. But you know, back to the project itself, you know, why are we doing this and why do I believe it's so key and why the blockchain is essentially the catalyst to speed everything up? Because what we're doing is we're taking the energy source, a solar farm, we're basically taking the future energy that is actually creating and this future energy and the ownership and the investment in the capital structure will allow essentially the person in the street this opportunity to actually acquire an interest in this project. And the way you own this interest and the way you hold this interest is through tokens. Now, what's interesting in what we're doing and what's interesting about energy tokens is that this tokens that you'll hold, just like you hold any other asset, but the difference is as it starts to produce energy on a quarterly basis, you're gonna get distributions back. Now, these distributions you're gonna get back are going to take the form of either Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, US dollars or Euros. It's, it's preferential depending on uh, each individual investor. So as it produces more energy, and this, you know, you think a wind farm and a solar farm over 30 years, as it produces energy over this 30 year period, every single three months, you're going to get distributions based on, you know, essentially how much energy it's produced, what was the cost, what was the profit, and what was your percentage of the entire project built by tokens so that's really what we're doing but and people keep thinking well it doesn't really sound this amazing what you've actually created but the amazing thing that what we've created is a no one's actually can own a piece of a wind farm or a solar farm right now especially through sort of democratization of ownership whereby a thousand dollars can give you a small piece of a solar farm but under our system and this is why tokenization is going to be so big because the capital structures are getting changed, it means that any time you want to sell your interest in these projects, there'll be a two-way exchange, an alternative trading system that you'll be able to go on and trade your tokens. You know, the capital structures of an oil producing asset hasn't changed for a hundred years. The technology to produce oil is changing all the time, but the capital structures hasn't. So what we're doing is we're revolutionizing the capital structure through tokenization, but alongside that, we've created a platform whereby renewable energy essentially is gonna basically be operating alongside this, and it's all gonna be under tokenization 
and this fluidity in terms of people being able to sell and buy tokens in multiple projects is the reason why I believe what we're doing is going to have this revolutionary impact on the world. Have you got anything else you'd like to add about that, Dave? Oh, I think you've got it absolutely right. When you say it's a cog, I mean, it's the piece that's been missing. I mean, when you look at how the internet changed, you know, research and R&D and development in terms of information sharing between people who are, you know, pushing technology along, right? I mean, the internet was not around when we were kids. And, and as you said, in the last 40 years, look at how much change has happened because people have been able to share um, information on the internet and, and their research and cooperate and collaborate on the internet. Um, but as you said, um, the traditional financial structures have not kept up with that. They've, you know, they've not changed, you know, for, for a hundred years. And, and so by bringing in tokenization, by utilizing the blockchain for secure transactions, you're, you are opening it up much as the internet opened up information sharing, you're opening up those economic structures and those, you know, those, those transactions uh, and again, leveling the playing field from, you know, it's not just the big hitters, like you said, you know, just like before the internet, it was only big companies that could do things because they had the investment um, and, and the money behind them. But, but the democratization that the internet brought into that just revolutionized everything. And, and by doing the tokenization, by doing the same type of thing on the economic side of the equation, it's just going to open up innovation. It's going to open up uh, the transition, uh, facilitate the transition of energy. Uh, and, I, and I think that you're right. I think that it's, it's been the missing piece. And I think we're going to see a big, a big surge here as, as this takes hold. And, and then over to you, Shep. You know, Shep's in Wyoming. It's not only cold and windy up there, but Wyoming is essentially the cryptocurrency blockchain state. So give us a bit of feedback about what's happening in the state and why is that ahead of everywhere else in America? So with that relevancy, it makes it easier for uh, banks like Kraken that was officially recognized as the first digital crypto security bank in America, and it is chartered, and it is backed by the American Banking Association and FDIC insured. It's one of the first of its kind in history in the United States. I think it is the first one in the history of the United States, you know? So yes, it's, it is. Uh, you know, it became the first crypto exchange and charter bank to be recognized by the, um, is it the U.S. Banking Charter? That is correct. Yeah, that is amazing, though. So, you know, people don't even realize that. And then if you give them, what can you buy with Bitcoin in Wyoming right now, Shit. Um, you can order a Subway sandwich through the Uber app or just about whatever you want. I mean, they have made it so plentiful that you can actually get a Bitcoin credit card at wow. present. That's amazing. Yeah, because well, the Kraken have got their own digital asset debit cards as well and di digital asset savings accounts, you know? People are thinking, yes, they do. digital asset, asset savings account. The Kraken banks got to Google it, people, you know? It's, it's already here. You know, we're talking about it as if we're not talking in the space age future. This is in Wyoming right now. As, as usual, this was the, our usual 10 minute podcast, guys, and we're like 20, <laughs> 25 already. I keep thinking, well, we're, we'll keep to 10 minutes, but you know, I think people like it being a bit longer anyway. But you know, let, let's coming back to what we're originally talking about transition and energy, you know, 
if you had to give, we'll, we'll finish with one viewpoint each. So we'll start with you, Dave. Transition and energy, what would you like the listeners to think about, take away from today's discussion? Mm. Transition and energy, just that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to happen regardless. Like I said, it's not a political thing. It's not a, you know, it, it's an economic thing. And so um, it, it's not a matter of choosing a side. It's just a matter of being aware that, that it's coming. Uh, things are becoming more economical in, in terms of being able to produce energy with these, with these you know, green sources. Uh, and they're going to be in direct competition. And, and, the, and the, uh, the economy is just going to shift. They're always going to go toward uh, you know, the, most, you know, the most economic way to produce the energy. And so, and so it's just going to come. So there's no need to, you know, to, you know, to get heartburn over it. Um, the, the free market economy will drive it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I, I agree with that as well. So what, what about yourself then, Shep? What would be a, a good point for the listeners to take away today? Really, a really good aspect to look at, a key aspect I recently saw, um, Dave was speaking on the fact of the renewable energy on the windmill, uh, wind farm infrastructure and so forth. Uh, the windmill blades on those wind, wind farm blades are made out of biodegradable uh, fiberglass. They can either be utilized for uh, recycling or basically disposed in the earth. I recently caught an article in the Casper Star Tribune that was talking about some of the decommissioned windmills at the end of their life cycle that they basically biodegrade. They're totally recycled. Fantastic. Combinations yeah. and convergences of, of technology. Yeah, no, no. It's definitely that. And then the other thing people need to think about is the grid system. So obviously one of the biggest costs that we're still going to have to pay for in this switching from you know, fossil fuels to renewable energy is the, the infrastructure and the grid. It's like, how does all this new energy get created? Because essentially it's moving to like this microsystem. Once the initial grids have been changed for us to be able to take in, you know, essentially thousands of wind turbines, thousands of solar panels to linking onto the grid and we've upgraded the grid because essentially the, the grid system in the country was obviously developed around, you know, power generated from, you know, essentially coal plants and centralized uh, sources. Yeah, yeah. Nuclear, yeah, centralized sources. But if you want to do a decentralized system, and the reason I want to use the word decentralized because the blockchain essentially works the same way. So if you want to just finish off with that and just explain to them, uh, Dave. No, I think I think that you've hit, you've hit it on the head again. I mean, it's just. As you said, it's it's a it's a new model, but it's not it's not completely alien to what we're doing. It's just it's just kind of flipping it on its head, right? Uh, the energy sources will be decentralized, and and everybody will be contributing to the grid, and and people will be able to pull energy as needed from it. So, um, it's just like I said, it's just flipping the model on its head. Exactly. So so I think that's a great way to to end the podcast for today. So. Uh, Thanks again to Dave Rogers. Glad to be here. Yep. And th thanks again to Shea up in Wyoming. I'm glad to be here as well. Great. Appreciate the invitation. Thanks. Thanks, Al. Yeah, no problem Thank at you, all. Al. Yeah, and then thanks for all the listeners out there. You've been listening to another episode of Boomers on the Blockchain. Thanks very much. Have a nice day.